to Genesis chapter 29, if you have your Bibles. Genesis chapter 29. And I, I was just, uh, I just want to say, you know, things have changed over the years, haven't they? Lots of things have changed. I remember when, you know, years ago, uh, when I met my wife, there really was no, I mean, I just knew she was the one, you know. But... <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like over the years, since then, which it wasn't very long ago, just a few years ago, so it seems, but it seems like over the years, things have changed. And it seems like people, they really struggle with trying to work out, is she the one? Or is he the one? And really battle with the, trying to understand the, uh, you know, the process of friendships, relationships, friendships, dating, courting, marriage, and getting into all of that, uh, that process. Uh, and uh, I was thinking about that, um, that scenario and how many times we battle, but it doesn't really have to be a battle. It really can be simple. I was thinking about Pastor Paul Body. And here's a guy who's now been in ministry many, many years, but um, go rewind the clock, I'm going to say 30 years. Uh, Here's a young man, he was uh, caught up in drugs and in trouble with the police, and his dad was a policeman. So he's got some problems on his hands, and so he knew this girl named Penny, and Penny's mum ran these missionary trips. they not in our fellowship, in another organization. Her, her mum ran these missionary trips where they go overseas, build houses and do stuff. And so they were taking a trip to Poland. Uh, no, not Poland. To, I've got Poland on my mind. To Romania. They're taking a trip to Romania and Paul, uh, you know, in trouble with the police, on drugs, said, oh, all right, uh, I'll go on this mission trip. So he agrees to go and they, he goes there and you know, he knows Penny but not that well. But anyway, they go on this trip. They're in there in Romania and they meet each other and uh, they, they get to know each other. And uh, sooner or later, Paul proposes to Penny. Three days after they met. Three days. I mean, that, probably not after they met, but you know, they'd known each other before, but not very well. They go on this mission. Three days they're in Romania, and he said, You know what? I just I want to marry this girl. And he goes and he asks, he proposes to her three days later, and she says, Yes. They go back to the UK, tell Pastor uh, Brown, uh, Pastor Brown, she, Penny said, Pastor Brown, I met this guy, and it's him, and we're going to get married. And one month later, they were married. Today, they're still together, still serving God, pastoral couple in Norwich in the UK. I've been there, I've preached for them, and uh, they have children and a good church and serving God, doing great things for God. And listen, listen, that may not be the perfect model. And it may not be the ideal time frame. But it does highlight the dating dilemma that many, many people face, that young people face, the, the, the dilemma of 
Is it, her, is it she the one or he the one and for how long and should we, should we get to know each other for this long or that long or dating and courting and what, what should we do and what's acceptable and what's not uh, and, uh, the, and the greatest dilemma of all for everybody is, is this the will of God for my life? Is, are they the one? And so... I don't know that I'm going to answer all of those questions tonight, but I can say this, that God is into families. God is into families. So the dating relationship is important to God because it's the foundation, it's the beginning, it's the foundation of good marriages, kingdom couples, and the stability of the church. So I'm going to preach a message tonight called The Dating Dilemma and try and answer some of those questions. Genesis 29, 9 through 18, the Bible says these words, While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. It came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth, watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then... Jacob kissed Rachel. Mm-mm, bad, bad idea. Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebecca's son, so she ran and told her father. Good idea. Dob on this guy. Then it came to pass when Laban heard that the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And so he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you're my relative, should you therefore serve me, serve me for nothing? Tell me what should be your wages. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. Amen. Let's look firstly tonight at the simple search. And it's interesting tonight that almost 50% of 18 to 34-year-olds are looking for a steady relationship but can't seem to find it. And and whether that statistic is entirely a good summary or not is irrelevant. It just simply tells us that the search goes on. And maybe it's maybe people under 18, maybe people over 34, but the search goes on. And let me just say that's not just a search in the world, but Christians, people in churches, are searching and looking for the right person. People are generally searching for someone. Sometimes, just anyone, but hopefully the right one and the one that brings and puts a sparkle in your eye and the one that you just know that you know is the one. And like I said, like when I met my wife, I just knew she was the one. Yeah, I remember one day we're sitting in a car, we're driving along in a car, and I was in the back seat, she was in the front seat, and you know, it's summertime, the window down, and she's got her foot up on the, foot up on the um, window as we're driving along. And I said, wow, look, the sun's so sparkling in the hairs on your toes. And she's like, you jerk. I'm like, what? What's the problem? 
I just, when I saw the sun sparkling, I thought, ah, oh, she's the one. <laughs> I think I knew she was the one. We were playing indoor cricket. She was the one holding the bat backwards and couldn't hit the ball. Now we know tonight it's not only, it's not just true in the world, it's true in Christian circles that when you're single, you're always, or you should be, always searching, but searching for the right one. And, you know, you know I don't agree with the idea of um, Christian dating sites and the rise, what we're seeing at the moment is the rise of what's called catfishing. That is, people, Christians, desperate to find someone with the same morals, principles, values, desperate, someone desperate enough to go on a dating site. And that is that people are looking, they're searching, the search goes on, and there should, there should be, there ought to be something in you, something in you that, you know, when you get saved, that you should want to find a wife. Be saved, settle in, and maybe get sent out. But to do that means the search must go on. But there's the right and wrong places to look. And again, I don't recommend online dating. It's full of fakes, frauds, and phonies. And anyone can make themselves look good online, hence the rise of catfishing. Anyone heard of catfishing? Catfishing is the process of luring someone into a relationship by means of a fictional online persona. Or in other words, people make up stuff about themselves online. They lie about their age, their height, their profession, their weight, just to get a date. And, just in case catfishing is too obvious, now they have kitten fishing. It's basically the same as catfishing, but light. Or in other words, it's a lesser version. It's, a, it's not so obvious. So while you're not pretending to be another person, you're still misrepresenting yourself in a significant way. You, you're fake about your attitude, fake about your emotions, and fake about your Christianity. Went on to talk about uh, kitten fishing uh, and uh, talking about the, these uh, people who, uh, you know, they can uh, include fake Photos, not a, not a photo of somebody else, but deceptive angles. Uh, lying about numbers like age and height, etc. Use photos from years ago. Wear hats to cover bald spots. <laughs> or anything else that makes you appear a little bit different or a little bit better than what you are actually presenting in person. Kitten fishing is commonly used because people are desperate, at least for the first date. And I know that is sometimes Christians, Christians do this as well. They put on a front and have all the right words and have the look and talk the talk. They can be a little deceptive about their spiritual progress. It's always interesting to me that in the dating phase, you see men in the prayer room marching up and down. Oh, Shandor, oh, oh, yeah. you know, they're, 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 they're laying hold of God in the prayer room. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like, wait, I know you. 
And, and people can be a little fake about their spiritual progress, their relationship with their pastor. Uh, they are, let, me, let me just say that if you're doing that, you're, you're spiritual kitten fishing. Which is why we find the first date such a dilemma. Finding someone, uh, you know, uh, it makes it so much easier. Find someone in your own church or in our fellowship makes it so much easier. And there is nothing wrong with the search. But listen, look in the right places. In our text, God directs Jacob to go to a well. Jacob has been on the run. He's fleeing the vengeance of his brother Esau. And God speaks to him in a dream. And you know, it's very important that you hear from God when we're talking about this dating dilemma. When you meet somebody, when you want to meet somebody, when you're thinking about meeting somebody, very, very important that you're able to hear from God. The Bible says God speaks to him in a dream. Not so much about who he's going to meet, but God speaks to him in a dream about what he is to do. And it says this, he said, Behold, I am with you. Wherever you go, I will not leave you until, until I have done what I have promised to do. So here's Jacob. He's headed for a place called Haran. With confidence, God is with him. I mean, if you just serve God, if you just serve God with confidence, knowing that God is with you, God can take care of the dilemma. God can take care of the person and the time schedule and all the issues that go with that. Here's Jacob. Jacob goes not necessarily looking for a wife. He's just about the business of serving God and he goes to a place, the Bible says, of familiarity, a place of his own people, a place that he knows, a place where there are people there that he can trust. The Bible says, comes a day, he's weary and tired and thirsty and he's at the well. He's in the right place at the right time and in God's timing, he sees the girl of his dreams. Bible describes her as a beautiful, hard-working shepherd girl. I mean, her beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, I'm not too sure that I'd be, uh, you know, the smell of a shepherd girl would be very impressive to me. But here Jacob says, she's amazing, she's beautiful. Uh, and uh, listen, as long as you can say that, then that's good for you. She's responsible, she's reliable, uh, she's a relative, or in other words, listen, don't get too caught up with the whole relative thing because this is what he's saying here is I found someone of the same spirit and the rest is history. So let's look secondly at that very important factor, the same spirit. You see, the old saying, opposites attract, is very true. But can, it can also be totally, um, uh, you know, we can be totally the opposite. When you meet someone, you know, we can be totally the opposite in looks, in dress sense, in likes and dislikes, and all the couples go, yes, Buzz, I, go, I understand. And, and it's true that we can be totally opposites. We uh, looks and dress sense and likes and dislikes. Many, 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 many a man gets a promotion getting married. She fixes him up. She says, you can't dress like that anymore. You're not, I won't let you dress like that anymore. So he gets a promotion because they come from different backgrounds, different upbringings, different understandings. And in the end, none of that really matters. What matters most... 
which adds to the dating dilemma is that the question, are you of the same spirit? And if the two of you are ever going to become one, that if, you, if there is ever going to be that God-appointed moment in time and it is ever going to work to that uh, God-appointed communion called marriage, you must at the very least be of the same spirit. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? Here the Apostle Paul is trying to help the believer with the dating dilemma and he makes one thing very clear. Don't look for a partner in the world. He's saying that, what, that you, well, you've got no business doing that. If, if one is saved and one's not saved, you've got no business going there. He's saying, what fellowship, what fellowship, what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? None. What communion has darkness and light? He's saying, how can darkness and light be in the same place at the same time? It can't. And Paul is saying, in the same way we recognize that, in the same way, don't go looking for a marriage partner to those who are unsaved. And so if you're trying to choose the right person, someone that you may end up yoked to, that the Bible uses the word yoked to, joined together with in love and in your home and in your finances and families, at least make sure you are of the same spirit. And Paul identifies this spirit as a believer. They are Christians. They're like-minded same spirit are the words we're using. Otherwise, the Bible says, if you're not of the same spirit, there's a big problem. You become unequally yoked. And being unequally yoked creates a clash of spirits and will one day drive a wedge in the relationship. And it is always, you know, 100% of the time, it works out poorly for the believer. You know, people sometimes say, oh, I met this girl and she's, a, uh, you know, she's not a Christian, but, you know, she'll come. And uh, I say, listen, that's, that's, that's not biblical. That's going to hurt you. Oh, and oh no, no, pastor, you don't understand. Uh, I do understand. Don't do that. Don't go there. You're unequally yoked and being unequally yoked is going to make sure that you end up in compromise and very often a backslider just to keep the non-believer happy. Paul says you have no business doing this. It's like darkness and light cannot coexist uh, uh, and, and this can also be true of the believer. Listen, not all believers are of the same spirit. Certainly not all Christians, especially those of another fellowship, they're not necessarily uh, uh, of the same spirit. It can also even be those of another fellowship church. Just because someone attends a church doesn't mean they have the same values, same morals, same aspirations, same dreams, same calling, or same spirit. And when you link with a person like that, the Bible says you become unequally yoked. People often come to me and say, Pastor, how do I know? How do I know? Like, how do I know they're the one? 
And it is, of course, the great dating dilemma, and there are many factors to consider. But one thing that you can, you can tick the box is, are they of the same spirit? In our text, the Bible says Jacob goes to the well, and instantly he's attracted to a girl who is of the same clan, the same family, the same area, the same lineage, and again, we're linking that to someone who is of the same spirit. Listen, don't get caught up with the whole, oh, they're of the same family weird thing. We've got to remember the Old Testament is a physical picture of New Testament spiritual principles. They understood we are of the same spirit. The big question for us is, well, how did they know? How did they know? So several things Jacob noticed that would be worth noting. Number one was that she was attractive to him. Because how many know this is a very important part of the dating dilemma? People either make it all about looks or not about looks at all. But I want to bring you to a little bit of balance there and say there's got to be some kind of attraction there's got to be something about that person that appeals to you. And it may be looks, it may be character, it may be smile, it may be heart for God, it may be personality, but there's got to be an element that is attractive to you. Genesis 29, uh, 17, it says, But Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. There's clearly an attraction that caught Jacob's attention, which among other things caused them to love each other. You know, one of the mistakes that Jacob makes is that he puts the physical first. The Bible says he ran up and kissed her. Listen, don't do that. That's a mistake. And, and I do think, I believe that Jacob made a mistake here, but Jacob um, is perhaps lucky that she didn't run off and go, Dad, 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 this, he kissed me. Or it might have been a different story if she had said that. And I really do believe that he made a mistake because he put the physical before the spiritual right then and there. And it is a mistake to do that. And I, again, as a word of caution, don't be physical before you're married. You can be attracted, but don't be physical. Uh, it's such a better moment on that wedding day when, we, when I say you can kiss the bride for the very first time. Such a better moment to... So there's got to be some attraction, number one. Secondly, they loved each other. Genesis 29, 18 says that Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I'll serve you seven, seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. Shouldn't really need to be said, but it does. There's got to, if you, are, if you want to solve the dating dilemma, you, you, you're, you're thinking about this person or that, possibilities, if it's ever going to go anywhere, you've got to love each other. It's got to go a little, it's got to, if, you're going to, if it's going to go somewhere, you've got to love each other more than a convenience. More than just company for you. More than, oh, my time clock is ticking or running out. Or, or, it's got to go more than they showed some interest in me. The dating dilemma is often resolved by the question, do you love them? Not lust after them, do you love them? Not, not because of their finances, do you love them? Not because of their reputation or who they are, but do you love them? Do you truly and genuinely love them? Listen, you are going to need that. You know, someone once said, before you get married, 
the devil will do everything to drive you together. After you get married, the devil will do everything to drive you apart. You'd better make sure you love each other. And then number three is that Jacob was willing to do whatever it takes. The Bible says that he worked seven years then another seven years, and then even a further period of time. But Jacob says, oh, it's but a day. Whatever Laban wants me to do, whatever I have to do for my bride, whatever is needed, whatever it takes. Listen, how many know it's a good test of a man that are you willing to work for the girl? As often guys come to me and say, Pastor, I'm interested in so-and-so, and what do I need to do? Oh, I say, you need to work for the girl. You need to, and I say to them, you need, to, you need to do this, you need to do that. And you know what I'm saying is you need to jump through some hoops and you need to show yourself to be a worthy man and you, you, you need to do as your potentially future father-in-law asks of you, whatever is asked of you, whatever your pastor asks of you, with a good attitude and do whatever is needed. And people, people come and ask sometimes, I go, oh, well, you need, to, you need to have a job. Listen, if you don't have a job, save yourself from some breath and don't come and talk to me. All right? There's no, I'm not going to solve your dating dilemma if you don't have a job. I'm going to make it worse for you. So you've got to have a job. You need to have some savings. Right? If you're even remotely serious about any kind of relationship and that relationship going anywhere and if you're getting into the dating phase, you need $10,000. You know, save $10,000. Men, forget what she has. Irrelevant. She could have zero, she could have millions. Doesn't matter. Irrelevant. You need to have a minimum $10,000. By the time you get to that dating phase and you are progressing towards, uh, you know, I'm thinking about uh, popping the question, you know, when you get, the, you need to have $10,000 in the bank. Don't even bother. Don't, don't even go down that road unless you've got $10,000 in the bank. Uh, you can't, um, uh, you, you, you won't make it. You need to have some money in the bank and you need to have some reserves and you need to have some savings. Or you need to have to pay for a wedding and do all those things and get it all done. And listen, and you... I'm, I'm sometimes stunned and amazed when I say to guys, how much money you got in the bank? And they say, oh, about five. So, awesome, man, that's awesome. You need another five. Okay, all right, pastor. Off they go to work. And they work their butts off. And no time, they save another five. Easy. And I say, how was that? No problems, like a day. For the girl. And so you have to be willing to do whatever it takes. And, and again, Jacob says, these things are but a day. They are just a small thing. Whatever is required, whatever it's going to take, I am willing to do that. Amen. Let's look thirdly and finally at the scene service. And again, I'm amazed at the, 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 the possibilities of um, uh, the, the, what a girl can do to a man's ability uh, to work and to save and, uh, and to just to do things, get things right. I was thinking about that, um, you know, some time ago, Malaki wanted to date Abby. And I said to Malaki at that time, I said, okay, a couple of things here. Uh, number one is you need a license 
until you get a license, forget it. I said, and then uh, you need to wait until she's at least 18. This was, he's asking me the question before she was 18. And I said, you need to wait until she's 18. Don't even talk to her until she's 18. And I don't know whether he didn't talk to her, but don't talk to her like that. Don't talk to her until she's 18. And you need to serve God and you need to focus on soul winning. You need to be fruitful and win souls. Well, listen, I want to tell you, within months he had his license. His savings jumped, like, incredibly. He got in every ministry available to any young man and he became fruitful. He was on the streets, he's outreaching, he's evangelizing and none of that was fake. He's still doing all of that. Because, listen, there's got to be some seen service. And this is very important because the seen and the observable acts of service in the kingdom of God helps deal with the dating dilemma. It helps each other to see your values and your priorities and what's important. And many times in those situations, the dating dilemmas, I'm saying, do this and do that. They say, oh, uh, why? Just because I said Because I know that if people see you doing that, if the person sees you doing that, it's going to help you. And because the other side of the coin is true. If you are not willing to sacrifice and not willing to save hard and not willing to eat McDonald's every second night, you don't really want the girl. You don't want to do what you need to do. And listen, if you won't do it now, I can, I can promise you, you will not do it later. So before entering any relationship, several things that should be observed. All the young people, take note of this. All those who are, who are uh, of that uh, uh, possibility, take note of this. Uh, uh, and uh, there's several things. Uh, one of those is seen, the seen service in the kingdom of God. That they are very clear It is very clear and observable that they have a relationship with the Father and that they serve His kingdom in some way. And when that as number one is set in place, then perhaps and maybe you are ready uh, to at least look. See, for Jacob, it was a very short get-to-know-you period, a bit like Pastor Paul Body. The Bible says Jacob said she was attractive I'm going to read between the lines and say he fell in love with her. He did what was needed to be done. He served and he worked and he saved. But the Bible tells us that that it was about one month after meeting her at the well that uh, Jacob goes to Uncle Laban and finds out what do I need to do to make her my wife. It's a very short courting period. And we know it's good to have a short courting period. And sometimes, you know, in the world, people want to get together and they get, you know, uh, they uh, become an item and they stay together for two years, three years. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get married. What's needed is a short get to know each other, be friends, become familiar with each other, and make it a short courting period. And we know that Laban, he manipulates him to work seven years and then deceives him uh, for further periods of time, uh, but here's Jacob, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to win the prize. 
A couple of interesting things here as I close. Number one is that dating, listen to me, I'm going to solve some of the, solving some of the dating dilemma here. Dating is for the purpose of arriving at marriage. Right, we don't, there's, we're not try before you buy. Dating was for the purposes of marriage. Jacob was not playing around here. They got serious quickly, and as soon as they started to express feelings towards each other, it was for the purpose of arriving at marriage. That Jacob made all the necessary things, did all the necessary things, spoke to Laban, uh, got things in order, got the, uh, the flocks and the herds, and was productive and saved and got money together, made things where he did whatever, because he said, my eye is fixed on marriage, and that's where this is headed. So number one, dating was for the purpose of arriving at marriage, not for your entertainment, not for socializing, not for some not social experiment but for the purpose of marriage. Number two is marriage is for the, the purpose of kingdom influence. And one man said marriage is to make his servants flames of fire. Oh, I like that. Let me read it for you again for those who are asleep. Marriage is to make his servants flames of fire. Not a recluse, housebound, and man or woman robbed of friends, character, and of the fire of God in your life, but someone who is on fire with, with a fire for souls and fruitfulness and God's calling. Listen, marriage is to promote you. Marriage is to give you an advantage in the kingdom of God and not make you less a man or make you less a couple or to rob you of service and to steal your ministry and your future and your destiny. Genesis 30 verse 1 says, Rachel said, give me children lest I die. This is somewhere down the road. But oh, listen, I thought about that. Let that be the heart of every couple, every ministry couple, every couple in the church. Let that be the, the heart and cry of every single dating couple that is perhaps looking to get married, every couple that is already married, that that would be your cry. Yes, biological children, but oh God, give me children, give me souls, lest I die. And that equates to impact in the kingdom of God. Listen, it's a very quick snapshot, and you can't solve all the problems in one little sermon. But again, this is a brief message on the dating dilemma. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight as we close in a word of prayer. Heads are bowed.